Welcome back to Threadless Stories. I'm your host John, and today we're going to be looking at another Lamentations of the Flame Princess module. Okay, so in this review, we're looking at the Lamentations of the Flame Princess module, White Power by Alex Mayo. Now, before some of you start spontaneously combusting and trying to get me cancelled on Twitter or whatever, this is white, spelled W-I-G-H-T, so it's referring to the type of undead creature that is common in D&D. Now, do I think this was the ideal choice for a title? of a module possibly not i mean it does fit with the whole lamentations aesthetic of sort of thumbing their nose at authority and at popular culture and maybe any sort of controversial publicity is a good thing who knows i'm not a massive producer of rpg material like they are so maybe they know something i don't but to me it just seems a bit of an unnecessary sort of controversy stirred up over really nothing and as i'll talk about later the actual white the, the undead mentioned in this module seems like a bit of a sort of secondary thought or an afterthought it mainly seems to be dropped in there to justify the title but that's just my opinion however the module itself is actually pretty interesting and i think it'd be unfortunate if it was overlooked because of an incendiary title anyway with that out of the way let's just get on to talking about what actually is in the module rather than what isn't okay so we start off with a table of contents and on the opposite page there is a picture of a sort of skull with like a burning red nimbus around it and it's done in this almost sort of paper cutout style with like large blocked out areas of solid color and that seems to be the art style that has been kept through the rest of the book whilst i wasn't sure about it at first it actually grew on me and by the end of it i was really enjoying some of the images that are in there so table of contents moves on to a background and we get a sort of breakdown of roughly what has occurred before this adventure and leading into the point where the player characters get involved and obviously before i go any further we're going to be talking about what goes on in the module so consider this your spoiler warning in essence, this module involves the preserved Holy Prepuce, which is basically the foreskin of Jesus Christ, and how it passed through a number of religious hands before eventually ending up in the hands of a Catholic called Father Joseph de Vernay. Unsure of what to do with his incredible find, he consulted an old friend, a Spanish adventurer named Alfonso Gutierrez, the Spaniard was a devout Catholic, but also he delved into some like fairly dank occult shit. But Gutierrez persuaded his friend that he'd come across this strange tome called the Clavis Inferni, or the Key to Hell, written centuries ago by Saint Cyprian of Antioch, the so-called Saint of Necromancers. And it had the knowledge to return someone from the dead, as long as you had a bit of their sort of physical essence or their remains lingering behind i'm sure you can see where this is going so they began the creation of this arcane artificial womb i suppose you could call it with the stated aim of bringing back the king of heaven to the mortal realm gutierrez brought in a small companies of mercenaries german langschnecht apologies if i've got that wrong to provide security and he also used them to off the people who'd done the sort of work on the isle of wight again another link to the name 
to sort of like prepare the surroundings so they couldn't tell anyone about it. We're then told that although everything seems to be going sort of smoothly with the plan at the start, eventually the people working on it start to make mistakes. Paranoia starts growing amongst the Langschnecht and the religious people and workers, the acolytes of Diverni, who are working on this wound. And a sort of like a struggle of wills building between the two sides in the area. This tense state of affairs is exacerbated when a member of Duvernay's order disappears shortly after one of the Langschnecht is murdered. And while they join the dots, and it's a bit of a powder keg waiting to go off. And this is the situation when the adventure begins. We're told that really what's actually happening is this artificial womb and the strange sort of monstrous creature that's growing in it is actually sort of draining the mental energy of the people in the surrounding area in an ever sort of widening bubble this is causing people to become paranoid overly emotional they're starting to make slip-ups with their arcane and religious calculations which is further exacerbating the effect and because of all these mistakes they've made effectively what is going to be born out of this artificial wound isn't the redeemer of man it's this monstrous mutated creature that bears some sort of dna similarities with the original donor and it has a fraction of its powers but it is certainly not the second coming unbeknownst to the people on the island abbey ruins on the island house caverns that contain the bodies of many massacred followers of the island's original pagan culture slaughtered in 686 AD by Cadwalla of Wessex after he conquered the island and brought it under the dominion of Christ. The psychic emanations that are running rampant on the island have awakened a spectral horror of pure hate, the white, a sort of spiritual creature capable of possessing people. It possessed a member of the order named Matthew Crevier who killed the Landschnecht mercenary, albeit not of his own volition, when he discovered Crevier secretly digging a tunnel into the burial caves. The white is using Crevier to unearth it so that its army of undead and its true horror can be unleashed upon the world. Next we get a timeline of events starting at 5 BC with the birth of Jesus Christ and finishing in March 1632 which is shortly before the player party arrives on the scene. We then get a section which lists the various NPCs starting with Father Joseph Duvernay, this person who is desperately trying to ensure the success of the endeavour. He thinks that maybe the disappearance was a uh, revenge murder by the Landschnecht and he's begun to sort of see the presence of them as a two-edged sword. He's not happy about the power Gutierrez wields but he hopes the hiring of the party will resolve the mystery of the murder before things get too out of control. He's an Englishman by birth but of French descent and returned to his family's native country as a young man to seek training as a Jesuit priest, returning to England to subversively promote the catholic cause he settled on the isle of wight in 1618 we then have a breakdown on the order of saint cyprian of antioch or more simply the order a group of fanatical catholics of flocked to Duvernay's cause alfonso gutierrez this tall slender man who is the spanish friend of the priest He's convinced that he's a tool of destiny and believes his life has inexorably led him to this moment. And he has a couple of strange little magical possessions on his person. 
We have Rolf Bargal, a 43-year-old short and stocky man with a gruff and taciturn demeanour who leads the Landschnecht. And then we have some generic stats for those as well. And all of these are accompanied by that same sort of striking, very graphically inspired artwork, which I'm actually really enjoying. We get a section on running the adventure, which discusses how the PCs to, are to be bought into the adventure. Although we don't really get a great deal of options here, we're pretty much told that Duvernay has hired the group to find the people responsible for killing the murdered priest in an effort to defuse the situation. He thinks because the player characters are a neutral party, they'll be less prone to accusations of bias. We get a two-page spread with a D20 rumour table for what the players might have heard about the Isle of Wight before they go there, and the area surrounding Car Abbey, which is where all of this takes place. Love a rumour table, and obviously it tells you if they're true or false, but it's a good way to get people some information, you know, just throw a few rumours to your players so they have a bit of background to go on, but they don't have to do a lot of research to get into the game. We get a couple of little diagrams showing the sort of coast of the Isle of Wight and zooming in on the Solent, the area around Car Abbey and Fishburn. We're told what happens when the players arrive, so they'll, they'll immediately become subject to this sort of mind and life draining effects of the womb, how they're met by Gutierrez or possibly Duvernay. They get introduced to all the various sort of players in this drama, Rolf Bargeld is reticent and disagreeable, but grudgingly helpful. He thinks that his men should be able to deal with this. But so in the back of his mind, he really knows that it's good to have a neutral party on board. And we get some bullet points of the information that these NPCs can give them. We're told that Duvernay himself is in a state of high anxiety, disturbed by the murders, the disappearance of Harding, and all of that's being ramped up by the effect of the womb. He's starting to regret his initial fervour about this idea. And the author makes it clear that white power is not a murder mystery. He says you could run it that way, and the setup makes it look like that. However, the main thrust of this adventure is to pique the party's curiosity, give them a site to explore, and then let them run wild over it under the auspices that they are going to be able to locate this white and investigate this murder. The secondary crux of it is the interactions between all these different groups in this emotional powder keg that's forming. We're told to pay special attention to reaction roles every time the party interacts with someone no matter how minor the roles gaining a minus two penalty and this is on the sort of standard bx 2d6 reaction table you get a minus two penalty because of the wounds parasitic effect on everyone's mind including the player characters we're told that while the party is at camp the tensions between the two groups Duvernay and the Order on one side, and Gutierrez and the Landschnecht on the other, will continue to escalate. Each day the party stays at the quarry, there is a 50% chance of an altercation breaking out. If the party is being particularly lax in the investigation, you might want to forgo that role and just have them go straight to the thumpage. If a conflict does break out, we're given a random D6 roll table to determine which sides are involved in the conflict. But the actual nature of the disagreement and the precise effects can be finessed by the GM to 
suit how the adventure is unfolding for their group. As the players continue their investigation, eventually clues will lead them to Matthew Crevier, who is the person causing all this distrust to begin with. He's still at large and under the influence of the White, plans to set loose an army of undead on the camp. Currently, he's excavating a tunnel entrance to the caves below the abbey. His mind is pretty warped. The White has been pulling his strings for weeks now. He's already committed a couple of murders, and the area he's digging was marked unsafe early in the catacombs construction so most of the npcs avoid it and that gives him the privacy he needs to continue with his nefarious plans although if the player party are being a little bit more diligent in monitoring these areas they may spot him should clavier be killed or otherwise sidelined the white will abandon him and attempt to wrest control of another nearby character this might even be a player character at your discretion once free of the white's control he will agonize over the deaths he caused and explain and Cravier will explain he had no idea why he had such a compulsion to dig below the catacombs. If Cravier is not disturbed, then 48 hours after the player party arrive on the site, he will break into the burial chambers. When this occurs, the White and its army of animated corpses, there's stats for the White later on, will clamber out of their tomb and begin to kill every living soul within reach. Obviously, this causes all manner of problems and changes the tone of the scenario entirely. As we mentioned earlier, the Order have kind of like effed up with their plan to rebirth the saviour of mankind. And instead of the second coming, a horrific creature that is the product of a cult and bizarre science births its way from the womb after 72 hours. This three-headed, gelatinous creature with strange mental powers. Then we get a page called Aftermath, which describes what might occur. Once the, the embryonic sort of Christ creature is born, it continues to broadcast this strange mental effect, sapping the mental fortitude of people in that widening area. Obviously, if it gets loose once it's fully birthed, this effect will eventually spread to cover the whole world causing widespread and serious problems at first people will lose the ability to speak foreign tongues making trade more difficult practitioners of the occult and academics will find studies more difficult things really start to go bad once people lose the ability to read and write their native language whilst this probably isn't a problem for the average peasant who doesn't rely on such thing so those amongst the educated and ruling classes will suddenly find themselves cut off from the information they need to govern and work effectively center of learnings in particular being heavily impacted killing the creature will negate all accumulated effects penalties stability scores saving throws and all of that malarkey however experience points gains will return to normal but any lost experience points are gone forever as a permanent side effect of the creature's strange mental draining powers the only good news really in this scenario is that the creature has no way off the island and is more a beast of blind rage than one of cunning tracking it down won't be too difficult and theoretically if people can track it down before they're debilitated too much by the psychic effects they can take it out although that poses its own difficulties we then go on to a section called locations where we get a description and a lovely map for car abbey That goes on for a number of pages describing what you will find there. We get a map and description of the catacombs. 
this is all pretty much your standard dungeon fare or well, again the artwork is great in this and of course in the catacombs in area 11 that's where we find the womb where this strange artificial sort of creation birthed by the clavis inferni is draining the mental fortitude of everyone in the area ready to birth this monster we get a small map of the pagan cairns where the white and the its undead hordes lurk and there is a beautiful two-page spread again done in this graphic style that shows these like three obviously undead creatures with this like almost red lightning coming out of their eyes and given there's only three colors and pretty basic shapes used in this i think the artist has done a great job because i mean you look at this and you're instantly like well they're undead i think that's absolutely brilliant then we move on to a series of appendices one of which describes the effect of the artificial womb and the creatures in more detail so we're told that there are effectively four stages of effect stage one is an eight percent drain on all experience points earned spell failure chance of ten percent and a reaction roll modifier of minus two and that's pretty much what the effect is going to be like when the player characters arrive on the scene Stage 2, 10% drain on XP earned, spell failure 15%, all character skills lose 1 pip, which is obviously a mechanic that people who play Lamentations will be familiar with, a minus 1 penalty on saving throws versus magic, you lose 1 non-native spoken and written language, the reaction modifier steps up to a minus 3. Stage 3 is a 12% drain on XP, spell failure 20%, all characters lose 1 pip, a minus one penalty on saving throws versus magic. Intelligence and wisdom scores drop by one each. You lose one non-native spoken and written language. And the reaction modifier stays at minus three. The final stage, stage four, sees a 15% drain of XP. Existing experience points begin to drain at a rate of 1% per month. So you actually start losing XP you've already gained. Spell failure goes up to 25%. All character skills lose two pips. There's a minus two penalty on saving throws versus magic. Intelligence and wisdom drop by two each. You lose one non-native spoken and written language and lose the ability to read or write one's native language. And the reaction modifier steps up to a minus four. We then get some stats and some details on what this caused the embryonic Christ, a three-headed creature, which seems more reminiscent of John Carpenter's The Thing than The Redeemer of Mankind. It has three heads, each of which has a psychic power. The first one being Vampiric Thematogy. It can steal memorized spells from people. The second is Divine Suppuration. It brings forth a massive pus-filled boil on the target creature's body that bursts spraying toxic goo everywhere. And the third is Precognition, giving it a limited form of understanding of what its opponent's actions are going to be before they actually make it, giving it a, a sort of advantage on initiative and stuff like that. It has magic resistance and is a pretty tough customer, although... This is an adventure based for low-level parties, so it's not too ridiculous. We get a lovely box out here as well, where it says, oh, "Well, if they're trying to if they're trying to clone uh, the Jesus Christ, why not simply use the clone spell?" And as the 
the author says here, the way the clone spell works in Lamentations is the caster pulls in the spirit to inhabit the body from one of the original beings' alternate timelines. However, as described in here, there's only one messiah who exists in all timelines simultaneously. A simple clone spell won't work because there's no alternate timeline to pull his spirit from. And I think that's a very neat little way of sidestepping uh, a sort of way that some smart Alex might come up with to try and get around this. We then get a description of the white, a being that we're told is not truly undead, but instead of being of pure energy created from the lingering hatred and anger in the pagan tomb beneath Car Abbey. We get some stats for it. We're told how its possession works and for the zombies that it can raise from the pagan caverns. And as I said at the very start of this flip through, my only sort of slight issue is I think the white could have been made more of. It almost seems to be included as an afterthought. The main plot line seems to centre around the birthing of this infernal Christ-like monstrosity. And then the white just seems to have been chucked in afterwards as like an additional sort of thing, you know, if you want a few zombies. Or as I said, perhaps just to justify the title of the module. Now, which I, I think is a shame because the actual write-up of the white in the appendices is actually pretty interesting. Changing a fairly standard undead into this menacing spiritual presence that acts through other people's a sort of unseen spiritual puppet master and i think that a lot more could have been made of that obviously as a gm you can always put more of that in yourself if you want to but i just think it's a shame that it was sort of seemingly thrown in as almost like a bit of an afterthought i might be wrong in this sense but that's how it came across to me when i was reading it we get some details on the Clavis Inferni, the Grimoire of St. Cyprian of Antioch. And there's some genuinely interesting, like, faux historical, because it's based on historical, but not really in terms of the module, information in there. And some recommendations of stuff you can go and check out. As well as, obviously, the effects on how it works in games, you know, containing certain spells and sort of rituals in it that you can use. We then get a nice table of NPC names and traits, which gives you male and female names, surnames, male and female German first names and surnames, a 2D20 table of distinguishing characteristics. And then we have a list of inspirational music and a very pithy afterword at the end before closing out with a, a quite a disturbing little like sketch of this Christ abomination. So, what did I think of the module? Well, putting aside the, the slightly incendiary title that, to be honest, doesn't really bother me because it's obviously, it, I don't know if you can call it clickbait because it's written material, but that's the sort of vibe I get off it. So, I can just set that to one side. I'm not bothered about that. And it doesn't actually feature anything really troublesome unless you have problems with, like the religious elements in it but if you have problems with religious elements you're probably not reading a lamentations of the flame princess module because they tend to go into that cult stuff pretty hard but i actually thought this was pretty interesting as the author themselves says it has all the sort of appearances of being a murder mystery but it's really not it's a sort of site-based adventure where you're encouraged to explore under the the sort of threat of this timer this pressure cooker of these disparate groups that are sort of like working together for a common goal but are slowly starting to fall apart under the influence of their own suspicions and outside forces so it's pretty much like i say it's a location-based dungeon crawler but you have the additional wrinkle 
of there is a very definite time limit set on it as things start to escalate and the wheels start to fall off the wagon so to speak it's also a great example of a an adventure that is isolated there's only a few sort of locations in it so it's pretty easy for a a more novice or an experienced gm to get a grasp of and i think this would be a great adventure if you want to dip your toe into running modules where there's different sort of social groups and interactions that you have to keep track of it's manageable there's only a few different groups a few little locations so very easy for a, a more inexperienced gm in that sort of area to manage but also there's potentially a lot of complexity in this but only if you want to delve into the interaction between the groups and expand on it if you want to keep it as just a simple dungeon crawler you can but there is a lot of potential for much more in this module and as with the other lamentations of the flame princess module i reviewed a short time ago i really do think these adventures allow you to take as a little or as much as you want from them making them as complex or simple as you prefer and that to me is the mark of a great module so if you're not bothered by the title you love a bit of a dungeon crawler you want a book with some interesting really cool graphic art styles in an interesting look at religion and the lengths people might be willing to go to if they think the ends justify the means then you could do far worse than picking up a copy of this module it's available on the lamentations of the flame princess website in print and pdf format at the time of recording this it's going for 27 euros 50 which is just over £22 in British money and just over $30 US. I really think if you're looking for a self-contained adventure with some great artwork and some interesting moral dilemmas, you should check this out. Particularly if you love the way that Lamentations delves into like religion and cults and things like that. So I hope you've enjoyed this review. If you have, like, share, subscribe and all of that good stuff that YouTubers and podcasters are always asking you to do. If you'd like to comment on it or you'd like to get involved in any sort of discussion about RPGs, maybe tell us what you thought of this review or our conclusions then you can get in touch a few different ways you can leave us a voicemail message on anchor or speakpipe there'll be links in the descriptions or you can send us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com until we see you again take care stay safe and whatever you're playing have fun